pitch days are growing in popularity. That's where agencies invite potential contractors in for demonstrations or explanations of new products and services. Often pitch days go with the use of non-traditional acquisition techniques. For more and how to get the most out of a pitch day, federal sales and marketing consultant Larry Allen. And Larry, you've done some research into these pitch days. There's one coming up, I guess, in the uh, new Space Force. What should contractors do to get the most out of them? Tom, I think the biggest thing contractors need to do is be prepared. Be prepared to have a ready, actionable project that meets the definition of the pitch day in which you're participating. If you go ready, prepared with some, uh, a good idea that can be implemented quickly, maybe it's a first stage of a larger project instead of the entire project itself, and you've got an idea about how that uh, can actually be acquired, whether it's other transaction authority or commercial solutions opening or even something traditional under the simplified acquisition threshold, you're likely to have a very positive experience. If you're going to sit and be part of the audience and listen, pitch days are not for you. You bring up a point that I didn't mention in the opening, which is that pitch days are often aimed at a particular problem or project that the agency has in mind. It's not a general, who are you and tell me about your company type of thing. That's exactly right. The one coming up for Space Force, for example, really focuses on some of the issues on how to uh, maintain a force in space and what are the technological challenges, what are some of the technological solutions. Space Force, for the pitch day anyway, is not looking so much for people who can support them with computers and office supplies and professional services. They're looking for companies that have the technological expertise and capability to solve uh, their core mission problems. So it really takes some creativity then, knowing what the problem might be, then you've got to, as you say, come in with almost a ready solution that could be deployed quickly, because often the agencies are using the faster acquisition techniques after the pitch day to buy what it is they like the looks of. That's right, Tom. Now, I want to remind people that it doesn't mean you need to have a ready-made, complete solution coming out of the box. But what you do have to have is an idea for a prototype at a minimum, something that can be developed, maybe something that your company's already been working on a little bit. You just need some extra funding and a specific project to give you focus. This is the type of thing you can bring to a pitch day. It might end up being an idea that becomes a 10-chapter saga, but it doesn't need to be fully developed as that when you go in. Uh, you just need to have an idea and a little bit more than an idea even so on how you can get started and what help it is you need specifically from the uh, agency hosting the pitch day to do it and how that's going to meet their mission. Got it. Hear that. And if you're going to go to that, well, it's not the Air Force anymore. It's a uh, sub to the Air Force, Space I guess. Force. Space Force. Look for Ray Walston at the Space Force meeting, Tom, but... One of the other things I want to tell your listeners about pitch days is my research has shown that these are more frequently used inside the Department of Defense especially. Space Force is doing one, Air Force, Army, uh, Marines. Uh, you can find, in some cases, a list of upcoming pitch days. When I did my most recent research, there weren't a lot up for calendar year 2020, but a couple of organizations said, look, stay with us, information coming soon. 
this is a growing way, and while they're targeted at non-traditional contractors, Tom, they're not limited to non-traditional contractors. So if you're an established government contractor that has a good idea, you can participate in the pitch day, too. I think if you're a contractor that's selling into the Department of Defense, you need to put pitch day research on your radar screen as an opportunity for business development. We're speaking with Larry Allen. He's a federal sales and marketing consultant of many years, now with BDO. And also, I wanted to ask you about this idea of zero trust versus default to truth reality, because all of the vendors, all of the contractors are facing the idea that they've got to be much more cyber secure if they're going to continue to do any business with the government. Tell us what's going on with zero trust. Zero trust is a buzzword or buzz phrase, Tom, that we're hearing more frequently around cybersecurity and federal right now. At its core, zero trust refers primarily to uh, solutions, to IT solutions and the type of programming a contractor puts into its hardware and software so that uh, it has triggers in it. Anytime the slightest anomaly comes up, you've got a system that is set to flag that anomaly. I think that's important, but I also think that it misses a key part of overall cybersecurity, and that's the human factor, and that's what I'm writing about in my newsletter, saying, look, yes, it's important to have systems that can identify and flag anomalies. That's a, a key part of it, but you need to make sure that uh, you're looking after the human element. A lot of our cyber issues, a lot of our cyber problems come because somebody somewhere opens the wrong link. They click on a link and suddenly they've got a problem in their network. Or maybe they're people who are intentionally looking at websites that they should not be looking at. This happens pretty much in every government agency and, to be fair, in the private sector as well. So I'd like to think that zero trust at its core be, it goes beyond the systems that flag behavior to actually understand and recognize how users access the system and what they may be capable of doing in terms of causing harm, either unintentionally or maybe semi-intentionally, by going someplace that they know they shouldn't, but they don't think it's a big deal. Uh, this is an issue because we as people are wired to trust our users. We are uh, especially wired to trust a senior manager or a two-star or three-star in the military, uh, and yet our uh, clear experience shows that we should not be so trusting <laughs> that people at any level are going to always do the right thing Malcolm Gladwell, in his recent book, talks about how people are wired for default to truth. And I thought it was interesting. We have zero trust talking about federal cybersecurity. We have a popular author making the point that too often uh, we people, and this is particularly true in the government, assume that because somebody has the right title or the right appearance that they must be telling the truth or acting appropriately when that is clearly not the case. When we're thinking about cyber solutions, Tom, we need to bring that factor in as well. Understand that uh, machines may be better off in detecting 
uh, bad behavior or questionable actors rather than human to human interaction where you might have a situation where sure. somebody says, hey, did you access that website? Yep. And somebody and the other person denies it. Well, also, you've got the matter of the increasing sophistication of phishing attacks, which are very good at imitating someone that you would expect something trustworthy from when they didn't even originate it in the first place. That's a step beyond what we've been talking about. It is a step beyond, Tom, but it even strengthens the point. Look, maybe we can trust that person, but whoever got into their email and is now using it for their own purposes can't be trusted. So I'm not suggesting that we've devolved into a situation of paranoia where we're constantly looking over our shoulders, uh, even at the people you know, next to us. But I do think we need to recognize where all of the cyber threats come from. Not all of them come from external sources. What are the types of systems that we can set up to mitigate our human-seated tendency to default to trust so that when we're putting a cyber solution in place, it's really providing the solution and security we think it is. Larry Allen is a federal sales and marketing consultant, now with BDO. As always, thanks so much. Tom, I appreciate it, and I wish your listeners happy selling. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at Pluralsight.com vision. <coughs> Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. It's in our nature.